the cross. On this Ash Wednesday, we come to be marked with the sign of the cross that I recognize as people throughout the scriptures that I am a sinner and so I put on ashes. They also put on sackcloth. I'm not going to do that. But, um, but I recognize that I'm weak, that I'm not living maybe always as, as God wants me to walk in his happiness. And so what I need is a strength stronger than my own. And so I come to receive the help of God who graciously gives me everything. But for we who are baptized, it's not the first time we've been marked with the cross. I don't know if you've been to an infant baptism, but one of the, the first things we do is you gather at the doors of the church, because baptism is, is the sacrament that's the doorway to the life of God. And uh, the priest, as well as the parents and godparents, will mark a sign of the cross on the forehead of the child. And the idea is that we, we claim this child for Christ, that we place this child under the power of Jesus Christ, who has power over sin and death. That he is the one who has the ability to take brokenness and defeat and weakness and transform it into victory. And so if I want victory from my own, from myself, it's going to come from joining myself to Christ and allowing him to build me up from the ashes and make me into a new creation. And so we take this time of 40 days of, as Jesus tells us, to dedicate ourselves to prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And there's something powerful about 40 days. We see it in scripture in several places. But it's also kind of like psychologists talk about like the time it takes to form a new habit. Um, when I was in college, there was, I, I knew some high school students and uh, they started, they said for Lent, we're gonna go to mass every day. And I thought to myself, I was like, they're in high school, like I'm in college. You know, like if they can do this, I'll do it. And so I started, the only mass was like 6.30 in the morning, crazy. And so I, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> There's nothing on my schedule there. So, so I went, besides <laughs> sleep. Um, so, so I started going to mass every day for the 40 days of Lent. And it changed my life. That every day I was reminded first thing that there's a God and that he has a plan. And he knows I don't have it all figured out and I can feel weak at times. And so he says, I'll be your strength. And it gave me just an incredible peace that, that my, my life was still like, you know, whatever. But I had incredible peace huh. and perspective and strength. And, and so I, that was actually a huge moment just for my own life of realizing God's love for me. Um, and now I go to Mass every day as a priest, you know. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, it's kind of silly, but it's just a different type of example. Um, about three years ago, two, three years ago, um, for, for Lent, I always had braces growing up, and I hated flossing. 
And every time I went there, I was tired of the lecture, you know. Um, uh, Matthew, Father Matthew, you need to floss. So, so I said, for Lent, I'm going to do something that I know I need to do that's good for me, that's a penance. So I, I started flossing every day. Um, and it sounds silly, but you know who you are out there. Um, so, but now three years later, I do it every day. Because it was something that I knew was good for me, but I didn't want it yet. And God, who loves me, advocates for me, for me to do things that I don't even want to do for my good. Does, does that make sense? That, that God, who wants my greatest good, and Lent becomes that time when I can start to take something on that actually reminds me about what's really good for me, and that God is always advocating for me. I, I was thinking about this. I heard somebody talk recently about how the human brain works and how we... Um, get stuck in ruts and how we form new habits. And they talked about how in the human brain, there's a part, when there's a, when there's a trouble, when there's a, a stimulus that causes like, ah, you know, there's something going wrong, like I skinned my knee as a kid or something like that, that, that in the brain, I learn that I run to mom, like a two-year-old who like skins his knee. I run for mom and mom makes everything better. In, in the brain, it's called dopamine, right? It releases dopamine and I'm like, Things are better. Um, but interestingly, that it's so hardwired in us that even soldiers on the battlefield and under great distress will cry out for their mom. That it's so ingrained in us. And as we get older, we still have that stimulus of something's wrong, you know? Um, somebody's not happy with me, or it's midnight and I just remembered I have a homework assignment, you know? That I've, you know, like, whatever the stimulus is, or somebody I care about sick. Or I was in a relationship and they broke up with me. That whatever the stimulus is, we still, part of our brain, we go to this part of our brain to make ourselves feel better, release dopamine, whatever. But it's, it's not, as we get older, it's not mom, but, but it changes. And, and so for some people, whenever there's a problem, say they have a bad day at school or they feel all alone, they turn to alcohol. Or we feel rejected and all our friends are out or they're all dating people and we're not. Or I just am bored and we turn to pornography. Or we turn to food. Or we, we, we turn to any number of things that become my refuge. Become that place that I go to when I'm when I'm lonely or angry or bored or stressed or tired And and then all of a sudden it doesn't even take that much of a, a prompting and all of a sudden I run to there All of a sudden I'm looking at pornography and I don't, how did I even get here or all I just want to do I just want to go out and get drunk tonight And and the problem is with these things is they don't actually heal anything that they actually, the more I do them, it, like in the brain, um, neurologists talk about it, they like dig grooves so it gets easier to get there and I don't even know how I got there. 
Lent becomes the time when I consciously remember that I don't, I don't need this, even relationships. I go from relationship to relationship. I don't, I don't need that. I mean, I, I need human relationships, but what I need even more than that is God. That's the only thing I need, the God who holds me in existence, who knows how to actually heal me, take my brokenness and make it whole. And so Lent becomes that time where I consciously turn to him. And, and maybe I, I kind of, I, I start to try to break these, these pathways. And, and it's silly. Non-Catholics look at us and they think we're crazy. Like, so you uh, give up chocolate and you're a better Christian, huh? Is that how that works? It's like, no. But what it does is it, it reminds me that there's something more important than that in my life, God. And that every time I reach for chocolate, give it up, you see. You know, like every time I reach for that stuff, I'm just like, man, I don't even realize I'm doing that. Like you give up snacking for Lent and you're like, Holy crap, like I don't even realize how many times I reach for food in a given day. It's, for me, it's become like my medication. Or I'm just bored. Instead, but then when I stop snacking, all of a sudden it becomes a reminder of, I don't need that. What I really need is, why am I doing this? Oh yeah, God. God, what I really need is you. That you created me. And, and I, I'm just feeling kind of overwhelmed today, or I'm feeling pretty good. Um, it's kind of cool to see the snow on the peaks. You know, like, it's just, like, whatever it is, it becomes the, the prompting to direct me back to the one who made me and who wants to heal me and redeem me. Does that make sense? That's, that's why I think, I think that's the genius of, of, of the 40 days in Scripture, that it, it checks out with science, you know? And, and the, the beautiful thing is that the brain is elastic. So the more I choose the good habits for myself, the more I tell myself, I don't need just another relationship. What I need is an unconditional, faithful, complete, self-giving love that I was made for. And that receiving that healthy love allows me then to live other healthy relationships. And so one way to kind of tap into this this might work for you, is to think about when it's, when it's 11 o'clock at night, what is it I go for? Whether I'm bored, lonely, angry, stressed, tired, what is it I turn to? And I think that's precisely the moment, the invitation to turn to God. Even if it's just like, God, here's what I'm feeling. I don't even know if you're out there. Um, I'm really tempted to whatever, and it doesn't seem, it seems kind of harmless. But I promise you that if we can catch ourselves, even, you know, yeah, and to turn to him, that's where we're going to find strength. That's where we're going to find the reminder of our dignity, the one who advocates for me even when I don't advocate for myself. I heard this story this week that I thought was powerful. I want to share with you. I don't know if you saw at the State of the Union address, there was this Korean man named Ji Song Ho. And there was this image of him holding his crutches above his head. He's, a, he's an amputee. But the fuller story, as it kind of came out, was that he escaped from North Korea. 
And when he talks about it, and in the studies they've done from people who've escaped from North Korea, that 80 to 90% of North Koreans who escape are Christian. North Korea is communist. I mean, they're stamping out religion. But all these Christians are escaping. How is that? One reason is because the people who are helping them escape, the majority of them are Christians. That the Christian perspective of the world is, I recognize your dignity, even if you don't recognize it, and I advocate for you, and I want to help you. Um, and so these Christians are giving of themselves undercover in North, North Korea and other places that they're sacri- I mean, they're, they're risking torture, death, all sorts of things because this person's worth it. And so these, these North Koreans are experiencing this. They're like, we've never experienced this kind of self-giving love, this kind of love that gives everything for me, not for yourself. And the second thing, as I think about it, I, it's this, that Christians have hope. Because when we feel like we're in the pit of hell, that hope and faith in Christ reminds me it doesn't have to be this way. That the fact that I don't like this, it points me towards the belief that maybe there's something better out there. That maybe I'm worth it. That, that as much as I feel unloved and unworthy of that, Maybe it's true that I am worthy of love. And so for the Christians, it's the hope that's rightly formed. That that's what Christ speaks to us, that you're worth it, that you're worth everything. And so it gives these people hope to be able to reach beyond the darkness they've experienced. And so this man in particular, Ji Song-ho, he, 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 he didn't go south. He went north into China, through Laos, then Miramar, through Thailand, over 6,200 miles. But he didn't do it alone. That it was the Christians guiding them, and it was his faith in God. He said, I offered so many prayers to my God, I started to pray, save me, rescue me. That God and his people, the Christians, took this man by the hand and led him from that place of brokenness and darkness and death and said, there's something better out there for you. Let's do this together. And so he's holding his crutches above his head in joy because he's saying, I have experienced brokenness. I have experienced sin. But I have experienced the transformation that comes in Jesus Christ. When I put ashes on my forehead, it says, I know what it is to be in darkness and brokenness and sin. But I know the one who wants to lead me from that and be transformed. That I am a sinner, yes, that's what the ashes tell me. But the cross, the form of the cross tells me I have a savior. And I allow him to lead me, to take me by the hand. He who looks at me and claims me and says, this one's mine. And he leads me step by step over many days, over many miles. It doesn't matter. 
to lead me to a place that's better. That's what we begin today. Our faithful God who's never left our side. Our faithful God who never gives up on us. Who wants to speak to our dignity and our goodness to remind us once again, he's that voice that says, it doesn't have to be this way. I want better. And he says, let me lead you to better. Keep your eyes on the cross. Let my love draw you. Let my, receive my love. And let's do this together.